2: KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM And now 102.3 FM
3: I'm Jessica Ettinger, CNBC. Markets are being led lower in midday trading on Wall Street by drops in chip stocks on trade war fears. As the acting director of national intelligence testifies to lawmakers in Washington on the whistleblower report, the Dow is down 47 points. The Nasdaq down a half percent, down 50 points. The S&P is down eight points. After saying health coverage was ended for nearly 50,000 UAW members striking at General Motors... GM has notified the union it will continue health care benefits for those striking workers. Dunkin' Donuts being sued by the New York State Attorney General for not telling Dunkin' Card and App customers that tens of thousands of accounts had been hacked, leading to the loss of money and personal information. The U.S. economy grew at a modest 2% rate in the second quarter from April to June. That's down from a 3.1% gain in the first quarter. Jessica Edinger, CNBC.
4: Celebrate Sizzling Sprint Weekend with
5: amazing savings at your local Sprint store. Now, for a limited time, when you switch to Sprint, you can pick up a new Samsung Galaxy Tab A 10.1 on us. That's right, get a Samsung Galaxy Tab A 10.1 on us when you
2: add unlimited data for just $25 per month. Plus, this weekend only, when you switch to Sprint, you'll get $100 via prepaid MasterCard for each new
5: phone you lease. The more lines you switch, the more savings you'll get. There's never been a
4: better time to switch to Sprint. Visit a Sprint store this weekend, September 27th, 28th, and 29th to learn more. That's September 27th, 28th, and 29th at Sprint. Requires port and 60 days of service before card chips, card terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Member FDIC tab a $0 per month after 14 Monthly credit for 24 months credit apply within two bills requires new line and qualifying plan if you cancel early. Remaining balance due tax due at sale.
2: ABC News Radio. I'm Brian Shook. The acting director of national intelligence says everything he did with a whistleblower report was legal. Joseph McGuire said he could not turn the report over within the seven-day window in the law because it included material that fell under executive privilege. President Trump says California Democrat Adam Schiff has zero credibility. He accused the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee of cooking up another fantasy to hurt the Republican Party. Schiff responded in a chat with reporters at the Capitol. He said he He's always flattered when he's attacked by someone of the president's character. Acting Immigration and Customs Enforcement Director Matthew Albin says the current sanctuary city policies threaten public safety. Find a way that we can jointly prevent murders, pedophiles, rapists, drug dealers and domestic abusers from being released back into our communities. Speaking at the White House, Albin said those who support sanctuary cities to house undocumented migrants are putting politics over public safety. Brian Shook, NBC News Radio.
4: Get Viagra for less than $3 a pill. Call 800-357-1583 today to save up to $500 and get 40 pills for just $99. Healthy Man is fast, easy, and affordable. Operators are waiting at 800-357-1583 to take your call now. Call 800-357-1583. That's 800-357-1583. Again,
6: 800-357-1583 okay let's talk about it shatter your notions you like to enjoy life right maybe you imbibe a little come on you know uh, weed. 70% of Californians agree that cannabis should be safe, legal, and easy. Now it's available at Shatter Dispensary in San Bernardino. Shatter has a full line of cannabis products, including cannabis cartridges, concentrates, edibles, and CBD massage balms. Top-of-the-line products, services, and brands in a safe, classy environment, all tested in state-licensed laboratories. Shatter is at 350 West 5th Street in downtown San Bernardino. Daily from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. From affordable to top shelf, Shatter can help you find the perfect product for your cannabis needs. Google Shatter Dispensary and Lounge in San Bernardino, and you've got it. That's Shatter, S H A T T E R. Must be 21 years of age or older. Shatter, license C 10 0000542. This is KCAA. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the greatest real estate investment show ever. Here's the flip-flop investor himself,
7: Todd Bayer. Hey, everyone. How are we doing out there today? This is the Flip-Flop Investor Show, and I am your host, Todd Bayer, the flip-flop investor himself. Every week, we like to get together and talk about real estate investing here in the Illinois Empire, and every week I like to bring on a local investor or a local expert to talk about who they are and what they do in the real estate investor world. And uh, today we have a special guest, uh, Ted Spencer. How you doing today, Ted? Doing great. Awesome. Good to hear. Good to hear. Um, all right. Now we're going to jump right in. I mean, normally we're going to uh, spend a bunch of time, uh, you know, just yapping about. Something useless, but you throw today, me in the deep end. Yeah, we're going, we're jumping right into the deep end okay. today because okay. you know, you, you are no stranger to the uh, spoken language of, uh, of sales and whatnot. So, um, you know, but before we get into it too deep, let's, let's let the uh listening audience out there know who is Ted Spencer and why should we even care that you're on the radio talking to us today? <laughs> well, because I am a, a classically typical human being with the Classically typical. That's just that's probably one of the most obscure well, yeah. things I've heard anybody <laughs> yeah, describe yeah, themselves yeah. as.
5: <laughs> well, I'm, uh, I'm an ADD person, and uh, I've made a lot of classic mistakes in my life. Mm-hmm. Got a lot of determination, a lot of tenacity. Had some um, modest successes and many uh, resounding failures. Yep. And so, uh, uh, if
7: anything, I'm not boring. Right. Okay. Uh, so
5: they tell me. So anyway.
7: So I think a, a good way to put it is that you've. You know, you've uh, you've made plenty of attempts. Yeah, I swung the bat quite a few times. You've had yeah. Quite a few a couple of times, they actually hit. But, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, you know, a lot I, of strikeouts. You know. I mean, there's a lot of people out there, and they're probably they're on the freeway right now listening to the show, or you know, maybe we have some of the folks that are listening at home or on their uh, phones or something like that, and you know, they're they're doing something right now, and they've they have this desire to do real estate. You know, they want to get in. They've seen the shows on TV. They've gotten the bug somehow. And I, you know, I don't know where the bug comes from. What what sort of got you the real estate bug initially?
5: Well, it's an interesting question. I was uh, originally investing in uh, when I didn't even have any idea what investing was. Got a microphone drop here. Yeah, back in the not the good mic drop. (laughs) Had a a many decade uh, hiatus, and, and then I guess my son got interested in real estate. And then I started kind of looking in it to support him, and then I got bit by the bug again.
7: Okay. <laughs> and
5: uh, only uh, in between then, I was, when I was clueless, uh, by by this time I had become g- uh, a business generalist, uh, uh, generalist, and had uh, some uh, resounding but highly educational failures. Okay. Yeah. That, uh, so I was a very, a very different mindset by the time I was introduced to real estate the second time, and I had a pretty good idea of the the, the possibilities.
7: Yeah. Now um, the first time, the first yes. time you got the bug. Yeah. Uh, I didn't was... know
5: what a business model was.
7: <laughs> well, did anybody know what the what a business model I was?
5: I don't know. I, a few people must have, but I sure didn't.
7: I, I think <laughs> it's something that any any entrepreneur I've ever met, you know, yeah. they learn the business model through failing at yep. not knowing the business <laughs> model, yeah. you know. Seems to be the way. Yeah. But you got started kind of back in like the 70s. Yeah, Las
5: Vegas, Nevada in the 1970s. I was one of the people that uh, laughed at the notion that houses would ever go $100,000.
7: Yeah, well, preposterous. Yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was ridiculous.
5: So, then, then I ended my third house. Uh, the last one they ever bought was a uh, $72,000 at 17% interest in 1981.
7: What a great deal, right? Yeah. 17% interest. Yeah, Jimmy Carter. Right, yeah, the inflation time. Yeah, and uh, people now complain about their interest rates going up or down. You know, a couple, a quarter of a percent. Yeah, yeah. you know, and we're yeah. at what four and a quarter percent yeah. right now for yeah. a typical mortgage. Yeah,
5: it's amazing that people seem to make money no matter what the uh, economic climate is. But I prefer uh, one that's uh, uh, conducive to business. Sure.
7: You know? Yeah, of course. I think that's yeah. you know anybody who's been around business long enough yeah. Yeah. prefers that sort of climate. But uh, yeah. you know, when you were, when you first started out in real estate, you. Uh, you started as an agent, right? I mean, that was your first kind of... Uh, well, I actually started buying, sl-
5: uh, sh- I'm not sure whether which, which uh, chicken or the egg, but uh, very close <laughs> to the time that I bought my first little uh, uh, little home with just a f- personal use. Was, then I around the same time, I went to real estate school back before computers. Oh, right, yeah. And did it the hard way. And Wait, there got, was a time before license. computer now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was also part of the engineering team that helped develop the original wheel. What do you mean the wheel? Oh the, oh, the original wheel. The
7: original. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. The wheel. I'm
5: not not that I'm
7: older or anything like that. So. <laughs> you know what it so. is. I just everything that comes out of your mouth I assume you're being serious. And then when you say something, you know, it's a joke, I you know, I just you know, you got me. You got me. <laughs> I tend to do the same thing. Deadpan humor. I love it. Yeah, once in a while it comes back and bites me in an amusing way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um so uh, well, after you designed the wheel, you decided to go kind of into real estate. You got your license, which back in the 70s obviously was, you know, a book course. You had to study. Yeah, you had to study test. big textbooks to go to a class and then take a,
5: a kind of hard test. Yeah. so Kind it was, of hard test. A good yeah, it really. It. It. It was, yeah, <laughs> I went on to call it the good old days. I tell you what, it makes me really appreciate the internet now. Yeah? Oh, and, yeah. Uh, and YouTube and all that. I mean, I think of YouTube is the uh, the second coming of the printing press.
7: Yeah, no kidding. I I, I can see that. History
5: will back me up on that.
7: I think so. Yeah, and if you... Well, you know, going back to the 70s as a real estate agent, life was much different, you know, uh, because agents these days are very spoiled. You know, sorry, I know there's a lot of great agents out there, and I'm not trying to rip on you, but, you know, the ones that have been around a while, they know that they're spoiled because back in the day you had books and you had to go to every single real estate office. You know, there was no multiple listing Yeah, the multiple service. listing
5: books were were thick things. You just picked, went through the pages and looked for stuff.
7: Yeah, and it was you know a lot of work. You know, yeah. and, and you know, and hey, you know what? I'm going to say it and I've said it before, but you know, the commission was was really earned, you know, back yeah, then actually. Yeah. Commissions were a little higher too in some places, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, like these days, you know, there's a lot of agents and I'm not naming any names, but they put stuff up on the MLS and they just kind of, you know, Post and pray, where they just wait for people to call them, and you know, and then they earn the commission. And it's kind of, you know, for some yeah. people, you kind of feel like, wow, that agent really is just kind of <laughs> phoning it yeah. in.
5: Capitalism marches on, and uh, people come in. I saw a billboard the other day: one percent commission yeah Somebody's, you know so well
7: yeah there's these new yeah. iBuyer programs yeah. things like yeah. open door uh, yeah. you know redfin yeah. Zillow yeah. these guys yeah. are all coming into the area now as buyers
5: a little minute ago you asked me a question and I didn't really fully answer it uh, uh, about people that are looking to get into real estate and uh, uh, I was watching some video on YouTube the other day and he pointed out that if you want to get started quickly mm-hmm. you know you obviously you want to get education but if you want to get started quickly your three basic skills that you need hope that's not me
7: oh, I think it might be <laughs>
5: yeah or
7: we got we got phone calls coming in over here forgot to uh yeah forgot to tell Ted to turn the phone off beforehand <laughs> finding
5: deals funding deals and an- being able to analyze deals with those yep. three skills that you develop like that you can get you know you can get a quick start in, in real estate uh, and then, of course, there's a, it's a broader spectrum. Yep. One, one of my favorite topics of discussion is the uh, the business model. The conventional wisdom is in, in business that you need to master a large number of skills and become good at it, then hire people. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm a contrarian in that regard. I think you need to get generally familiar with a, a number of different skills, right. but start hiring people sooner. And looking for really highly talented people, so I think that the the conflict between you know working in your business and on your business, uh, I favor. I lean toward going slower initially, starting kind of at a higher gear, but spending a lot of time and studying this, developing the skill set of a, what I call uh, scouting or talent scouting. Sure, and finding real because you get really really good quality people, right? And, and there's an m- amazing number of highly qualified, well-educated brilliant people in the Philippines, for example. that Absolutely. That uh, will work for $4 an hour plus bonuses and so forth. Uh, but I really do believe that the, if, if you're really ambitious about it, uh, that and the, two th- the two skill sets belong together are creation of systems. So system scavenging, stealing, bo- begging, borrowing, <laughs> stealing, or buying <laughs> systems. Hey, w- That's what can help you scale and then getting a really good talent. Can also make it just completely sail past, and you know, obviously there's a, a little bit of risk involved in there too.
7: Of course, you know, yeah. and 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 I, I totally agree with you because when you have. A skill of your, of your own, you know. Are you the best at it? It's the question you have to ask yourself. And I think a lot of people have the ego kind of driving it, where they say, you know, no, if it's not done my way, it's you know, you're doing it wrong or something like that. And you know, there's plenty of very talented people out there. And when you tend to take on every role within your organization, you just stretch yourself so thin. Yeah. And you exactly. you you need
0: people. Well, did you to get back trapped. You, up. you, you trap do. Yourself.
7: Yeah. Absolutely. We call it the golden handcuffs. Yeah. You know, because you're paying yeah. the bills, but you're yeah. you're handcuffed. to your desk yeah, or you're handcuffed yeah. to whatever job you've given yeah, yourself within yeah. your own company.
5: I was watching a gentleman who, uh, I think, I'm trying to remember whether he did sandwich lease options or what he did. I think it was sandwich lease options. But he had some particular business model, and he, he closed all the sales himself. And people said, no, you should get... Get a VA or a virtual assistant sure. or somebody to help you with that. No, 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 they can, nobody can do it as good as I can. <laughs> yeah. And it was true. He was better. And of like, course. But finally he said, oh, I'll try it. And uh, so he tried it. He got, um, hired some people, and they weren't nearly as good as him, but his gross revenues quadrupled. Yeah.
7: Because yeah.
5: he couldn't, as good as he was, he couldn't outproduce 10 other guys. Of course, yeah. Something like that.
7: Well, everybody's everybody's been to a subway sandwich shop, and you know there's one person working the counter, and there's a huge line backing up because they can only make sandwiches so quick, you know. But you get three or four people on that line, that's all right, of a sudden it, it goes much
5: quicker. Yeah, that's right. You know. And what he pointed out was that uh, let's see, lost my train of thought. He hired these people. They his production increased. Oh, he pointed out that whatever you do don't hire someone that's entrepreneurial and I'm thinking that's the kind of person I like I wanna, I like entrepreneurial people yeah but he says they'll just pick your brains and go off and start their own <laughs> business <laughs> so actually so that's one of the things I like about the Philippines the Filipino people are amazing wonderful people mm-hmm. but they are as a general rule and I think and everybody I know from the Philippines my wife is Filipina well are. Traditional, like Robert Kiyosaki says, work hard, get a job, yeah, you know, get the benefits and all that. Kind of a mindset, nothing wrong with that. You know, the world yeah. needs that. To, To go on, so I'm thinking. Gee, I guess I'll go look for highly talented, hardworking, non-entrepreneurial people
7: to some extent. Sure, but by the
5: same token, I know myself. I'll probably end up getting some entrepreneurial types just because I relate to them so much.
7: That's you know, and that's that's another thing because you also have to like the people you work with. Yes, because you got to be able to have. There's there's you're spending a lot of time with these people. You've heard the concept of a work spouse, you know, where this is somebody you, uh, you know, you you see them more than you see your own spouse in some cases. So you know, you got to enjoy being around them because you're going to probably go to lunch every once in a while. And, you know, yeah. it's, you don't want to yeah. hate the people you, you work around. Well, yeah, you, you know, that's true. And,
5: and you want to take really good care of them. You want, to, of you want to be a real good boss, communicate well, make sure they understand expectations. I have got to recommend a business book for uh, aspiring entrepreneurs, like a must read. It's been around for a long time and it's a classic in my opinion. And that is, first, break all the rules.
7: Okay, I've heard of this book, I've never it read it. it is
5: a good book. It, it it it's the Gallup organization did uh, asked uh, business managers and uh, and CEOs and different people, employees, hundreds of thousands, probably millions of questions about productivity sure. and what works and so forth. Two things came out. One is the uh, interface between a talented supervisor and the employee is where productivity booms. Okay. As you get a talented supervisor. And then they came up with which questions, if they get a, a between one to five, get a high score like a four or a five on them, which okay. questions connect uh, – Unquestionably, with higher bottom lines, and he, they came up with a series of 12 questions, that, and and whether it was a division or an entire company, hmm. where those questions had high ratings, bottom lines were always higher. Read that book. It's how first break all the rules. First break all the, the rules. Di- the, the the difference between uh, but, uh, conventional thinking and what actually works. Yeah. Because conventional thinking
7: is largely lazy. Well, of course, and you're going to re- you, you want people that relate to you, and it's you know you're going to go with what's familiar, I yeah. think, but yeah. when you if you're going to break all the rules, you're not going to want to go with the familiar thing because it may not be the best and that's you know yeah. I, I was raised just like you, a, a very typical person, you know I was yeah. told to work hard and you yeah, know exactly. yeah. all that sort of yeah. thing go to school, get a, you know get a good job, get a pension, yeah. all that good stuff and yeah. you know I, uh, I broke the mold a little bit in a way because I just yeah. I kind of looked at it. From an outsider's perspective, and thought, wait, why do I have to do it that way? You know, yeah, that's right. uh, And I I, kind of chose at a pretty young age to not go that path. You know, and for me, I was about six years old (laughs) when when I decided (laughs) that wasn't the that wasn't the path I wanted to go down. And I've from that point forward been, you know, uh, staunchly opposed to it. You know, where I would, you know, I I just wanted to go against the status quo in every way I possibly could you know and in some cases you know it was like i didn't need to go against it because there's some parts of it that are make plenty of sense but yeah. uh you know it was for me i have you have to have sort of a um a disdain for the typical to be a successful entrepreneur
5: yeah i think that's a
7: a valuable attitude to have. Yeah. Yeah. You know, cause I, you see all the people and, and you know, and there's some of these people they are listening right now and I'm not, I'm not trying to offend anybody by saying it, but right. you see these people that just sort of, you know, every day wake up, do the same thing. It's, you know, and you've seen that movie groundhog day. Oh yeah. You know, and yeah. I'm like, how, how is that in existence for these folks? How can they, how can they do the exact same thing every single day? I, you know, as an entrepreneur, you can literally change your entire day every single day.
5: Yeah, you really can. I uh, I think it's an uh, amazing thing that, uh, and we're all uh, you know victimize ourselves with procrastination and fear and so forth. A lot of you have uh, heard of or read uh, Tim Ferriss's book.
7: Which one? The, uh, yeah, which <laughs> the four one? The four-hour right? week yeah. probably yeah, is yeah, one a
5: four-hour week. But he uh, he has an interesting video. He's uh, bipolar. Okay. Uh, and uh, a couple of times in his life, he was just an inch from suicide. Yep. And he's an amazing guy, but uh, he says uh, goal setting. Uh, instead of goal setting, he does what he calls fear setting. Okay. And he has a whole—it's worth looking up. Uh, look up uh, Tim Ferriss fear setting on YouTube, and yep. it's quite an education because it's a powerful tool. Because uh, Robert Kiyosaki rants on and off. All these people that say they want to get rich, and then you say, "Tell me what to do." Yeah. What step? But, one? but they don't want to do any homework. Right. Or or you tell them what to do and then they just don't do it of course and they're they're afraid they're in the process that sort of thing so the fear setting thing really helps uh, loosen you up and get you going so
7: go so go into like this fear, fear setting there. thing a little bit for the people out there that don't that aren't familiar with well, this well
5: basically uh, as i recall he, uh, he you list your fears and then you write down uh, the, the what's the worst case scenario and then you write down alternatives what if the fear doesn't come happen right like that so then you write down and and you then you argue against it maybe mm-hmm. uh because a lot of our dysfunctional thoughts are irrational yep uh and then so you write down as though you're doing a debate you an assignment for a debate <laughs> yeah. and you write down the other <laughs> point of view and it's absolutely amazing the uh i think motivation is a an ongoing battle with your lizard brain yeah to oversimplify it a little bit. Okay, and we all have lizard brain. brains. Yep. And if we're honest about it, most of the time the lizard brain wins.
7: Of course, what's well, simple. We it's make the-
5: our decisions really are emotional. Yep. Uh, our, our, our procrastination is based in fear, mm-hmm. flight or flight, fear right. of humiliation, whatever it may be. So, But the lizard train can be negotiated with. Yeah. It can be educated. It can be seduced. Yep, And what, it, what does it want? It wants money, sex, yeah, exactly, all the the pleasure points, (laughs) yeah, all the pleasure points. But you can, you know, you can find out what the lizard brain wants and 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 work with yourself. And you can basically, we're, you know, despite the fact that we're wonderful spiritual beings, we're also uh, apes that speak. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so,
7: our our primitive brain will say, "Don't jump out of that airplane." But you know, to appease to appease the uh, good example, you you know, if I put a parachute on my back, then maybe it's not so dangerous, and you still get that adrenaline burst, you know, which is what that you know your primitive brain is really looking to get, and you get that thing, and you say, "That was the most amazing thing I've ever experienced in my life," you know, and that's what you know keeps people to keep doing that. And it's worth noting also
5: that uh, chemically, now no, I'm not a scientist; I'm a, a amateur scientist, but very <laughs> <Obvious>. amateur, a <laughs> uh, uh, science hobbyist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, the chemicals, the, the chemicals in the blood, which uh, are responsible for anxiety, are the identical chemicals that are responsible for excitement. Okay. And whether you experience excitement or fear or anxiety mm-hmm. depends upon your mindset toward the infusion of chemicals coursing through your blood now. Yeah, and so and that actually you have some control
7: over. Cortisol, adrenaline, things yeah, like that. Dopamine, There's, serotonin. Of course, I, they're all a blur now. And you can all cre- and you can create you know new neuro uh, new neural uh, oh, uh, yeah. as yeah. a result of the yeah. response to both. And, Absolutely. You know that's why some people yeah. almost crave um, they almost crave negative. Yeah. outcomes yeah. because and and they attract yeah. the negative outcome because of you know the way their brain got wired from responses you know chemical responses in their brain it's really interesting the neuro uh, you know the It really is of fascinating. Brain.
5: Human brain is a super fascinating uh, machine. It really is. It is. I mean, you it, know. when well, I well, first started
7: going to school, I was actually yeah. going to school to be a psychologist. Were you so, really? Yeah, yeah. So I, I kind of started getting yeah. into that neuropsychology stuff, yeah. and it, you know, yeah. I, I I've probably said I, I'm probably not even close to where we you know what, what's been discovered yeah. since then, but you know, it's yeah. interesting to see it, and you can, you know, you can play around with it a little bit yourself. Yeah. You can experiment with some of these things. Yeah. And I was talking to a gentleman last night at the club meeting who you know he has a real fear of public speaking I mean, this you know mm-hmm. and and I can relate I was a very shy person at one time where mm-hmm. I you know I would never could have imagined having my own radio show on NBC you know and talking to you know countless thousands of people at a time you know at at one point that would have been really nerve-wracking for me but mm. you know I explained to him he was a, he's a pre-med student is what he is right now and I was I told him I said well if I had you go up, if I told you I need next month to get a 1-hour presentation out of you and I want you to go up and talk about uh and I think I said um, note buying or something like that uh-huh. you know he'd be paralyzed with fear about the subject but I said if I needed you to go up there and do a one hour presentation on applying to a uh, medical school you know how to get financial aid all that good stuff you could probably go up there with confidence and make a yeah. good presentation yeah. and yeah. feel confident that if anybody yeah. were to ask questions from the audience you'd be able to answer them or very really say I don't know but I know somebody who could help you with that you know and, yeah. and that and alone I could actually see the relief in his mind when I said um, you know when I said I don't know and he said, "Is that how you do it?" And I said, "Yeah. If somebody asks me a question, I don't know the answer. I have no shame in saying I don't know.
5: Yeah. <laughs> you know." Well, it can be taken to a fault, but basically, honesty is a very powerful characteristic.
7: Yeah, people appreciate authenticity and honesty. Yeah, yeah. So. Absolutely, yeah. It's, you know, if, if you're going to try to BS your way through something, I mean, yeah. people see through it. Uh, you know, and you've been in sales for many years, so you you understand that people want the genuine side of yourself when you're explaining something to them, and. If you don't know, just say you don't know. They're you know, we're all human. I don't know everything, you yeah. uh, So, yeah. that's a, uh, yeah, it, that's a good principle of business, though. Yeah. Kind of going back to that side. We're 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 going on the ADD tangent right now. We could just yeah, you know, we yeah. Can just keep oh, this look, going. There's a puppy. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Where? Yeah.
5: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, one other thing I wanted to uh, uh, talk about uh, with you was the um, the uh, the freaking economy. There's a lot of people that are predicting the economy is sure. g- is doomed and. And, uh, but that's been an ongoing industry for decades, but uh, periodically we do have crashes Yeah. like that. Uh, Bruce Norris is is no slouch. Nope. Bruce Norris is a, a, I don't know if you call him a real estate guru, but a highly respected and very, one of the most successful uh, investors in the state of California, possibly in the United States. Mm -hmm. And he's real nervous about California. Now the, the, for all the people that want a wholesale and think that it's easy, it's a lot harder than they make it look on TV, but, he is, he is advising people that he knows that he owns lots of uh, residential to sell property in California. He's telling them to sell and to, sure. you know, and, and proceed with great caution. But the wholesaling, uh, the wholesaling business model works under all market conditions, though.
7: Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. And and he's yeah. also moving. Not he's yeah. he's moving from California to Florida as well. Right. Because, exactly. You know, and yeah. you can see this. Yeah. We've we've put together software, RE Market View. You know, where yeah. we can actually we can substantiate these claims with you know different yeah. uh, economists e- economists. You know, and Bruce is not an economist. He's a, a, a you know, economics hobbyist. He's a chart nut. He is, and he and if yeah. you've ever seen his report, he's very he's good, good, at at it. good at it. He's good at it yeah. Bruce, you know, if, if it wasn't for Bruce, there's a lot of investors out this way that you know would be in a lot worse situation. So, yeah. I mean, hats off to Bruce Norris. He's been a guest on the show. Yeah. Uh, you know, definitely knows what he's talking about. And they actually got a very big night tomorrow night. They got their big I Survived uh, real estate uh, yeah. thing they got going on tomorrow, which I will not be in attendance at this year, just because. Uh, you know, just didn't have time to really fit it in this time, but yeah. all the best to
5: them. Anyway. But proceed um, with caution in the state of California. That's, you, ever, you know. You tell, you do a little homework on the economic factors.
7: It's but, always sound advice anyway. Yeah, and, you yeah. know, a good investment never goes out of style. You know, there's always. Yeah, right, exactly. You can, you can always find a good deal in any market. And, you know, there's no shame in taking a little break, you know. Because for me, during the last crash, I would say the the last crash really started in March 2007, maybe April 2007, and then it kind of started getting to the point where it made sense in around December of 2007. So, if you were okay with taking that little, you know, break there, which I was, <laughs> you know, if you're patient, you can just kind of watch it crash a little bit and step back, watch the mayhem. And so, you
5: sidestepped it. I did. Good for you.
7: Yeah. That's and excellent. You, I kind of lucked into it in a way yeah, because yeah. I was looking for another property to buy in the beginning of 2007. Yeah. So, you know, January 2007, I was looking to buy another property and Fortunately, I guess I wasn't that good at getting property in January of two thousand and seven, so I didn't get one. That was lucky. (laughs) Yeah, it was so it was kind of luck that I didn't. But you know, I mean, it crashed a lot faster than a lot of people thought it was gonna. So you know, it really the rug just got pulled out from underneath for a lot of people that were very capable investors prior to the crash. And so that's a sad commentary on
5: human nature all the way around. The uh, realtors, brokers, uh, uh, there were a lot of villains. involved in the thing and, it, and it's just people trying to make a living trying to capitalize on the situation but
7: yeah they, they've definitely villainized of been
5: really really ethical they uh, you know wouldn't have put a lot of people in a lot sure. of those loans
7: well that was the thing you know there was a lot of people yeah. that popped up you yeah. know during that time that hadn't had no prior experience in real estate and were just you know they were helping people essentially defraud the system you know and that, that was a problem obviously yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. a big contributor to it and yeah. uh you know, it's hard to say right now that that's not going on, but right now, because qualification is very stringent. If you want to yeah, get yeah, it's a
5: different, it's a different ballgame now. This, uh, I think that that crash was a, a special crash because of the the government having stepped in and insisting that lenders finance people that couldn't afford it, it could really shouldn't be financed. Exactly. Yeah, the uh, unintended consequences there were ridiculous. Yeah, okay.
7: when whenever you whenever you say, you know, we need to push home ownership in the in the United States, you know, that's just a dangerous uh, yeah, place to come you from. got to be careful about that, yeah. There's a lot of people that can't it hurt afford a lot A lot of people. It did and it's yeah. you know, it's still yeah. hurting a lot of people and that's yeah. the funny thing. I mean, yeah. you know, like some people say we still haven't really fully recovered even though prices might have gotten back up to the the places where they were before. People forget that interest rates are lower now. Back in 2007, oh, yeah. 2006, mm. interest rates were at six and a half, seven percent. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, when you're buying a $400,000 home with a seven percent interest rate, your payment's gonna be considerably yeah. higher than yeah, a exactly. $400,000 home today mm-hmm. with a four and a quarter percent interest yeah. rate. So, yeah. you know, it, like the price is kind of inconsequential. It, it really comes down to payment and affordability. And right now, the affordability is higher. In Riverside, San Bernardino County, than it was in 2006, 2007. Yes, have prices come down? No, prices are you know mm-hmm. out this way. Prices are more or less staying flat. You know, mm-hmm. I, we didn't have a, we didn't have a boom summer like a mm-hmm. lot of people were hoping we would have. But uh, prices have kind of stayed steady, and it it's it's hard to look at the market right now and say that we're in a bad spot. I mean, Riverside County, we're actually still fairly affordable. According to our RE Market View software... Yeah, we're significantly
5: below the uh, the statewide uh, median price.
7: Yeah, I mean, you have places yeah. like L.A., the Bay Area
5: that yeah, are, you know... Ridiculous, these yeah. These
7: are very risky places yeah. to be right yeah. now. There are cities
5: where median price is over $3 million, $2 million, $1 million.
7: Yeah, absolutely. And it it's... drags
5: up the... You know, drags up the
7: numbers. It's insane, especially yeah. up in the Bay Area. If there's a, if there's yeah. a, any kind of a second uh, a, a dot com crash two point oh, you know, if if the yeah. if the tech industry kind of collapses again, the Bay Area might see yeah. a very significant decrease. Yeah. I heard in, you have how, to
5: have a to live in San Francisco, or do you have to have an income of three hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year? <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. I, I, yeah. I don't, I don't think you're yeah. going to
7: get much yeah. for that. Yeah, <laughs> up there, it's yeah. people are people are buying the nastiest looking things I've ever seen. Uh, for just obscene prices up there, yeah, uh, you know that's that, yeah. that's that's going to be an interesting uh, thing to see unfold. But for right now, in the Inland Empire, anyway, you know, and don't don't buy based upon what I'm saying. If you're a, if you're just somebody listening to the radio right now, I'm just so I'm one person. You should obviously do your homework. Yeah, yeah. Check with all your, men,
5: Same here. Check yeah. with
7: your people, your attorney, your tax advisor, all those folks yeah. before you, yeah. you commit to buying anything or doing an investment. Because you know, mm-hmm. I'm just one man who has an opinion and. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm right about it. So don't take my word for it. Go do your homework. <laughs> yeah, that's my mantra also. Yeah. I definitely. And also, you mantra. know, don't sue me. I don't want to get sued. I, you know, <laughs> that's really why. My attorney told, told me I, I should say that every once in a while. So,
5: Well, let me pick your brands uh, All right. if, if that's okay. Uh, yep. How would you advise somebody that's looking for off-market deals with very little competition? Give <laughs> huh? us some clever insight information
7: on that. First thing you got to do is get off the market. <laughs> uh, no, no, that's actually very true because everything is moved online these days, and a lot of people are looking for house deals online, but that's not where they are on the MLS on the MLS or you know Craigslist, you hear people talking about these online sources where you know there's this magical place where you can buy these leads or you can right. do all this stuff. Right. and you know what, real estate is not purchased online it's It's just not happening, like especially investment deals. you know, like you can maybe buy a house now on the internet yes through redfin or zillow or one of these services but uh you know your margins
5: are not going to be great
7: well that's probably for your home Uh, Yeah, it definitely won't be an investment property right exactly (laughs) you know and so for investments i mean the deals are outside you gotta you gotta go hit the neighborhoods or at least find somebody that'll do it for you right you you may not be the best door knocker you may not be the best you know cold caller you may not be the best at these things, but there's somebody out there who is good at so them. So you're advocating driving for dollars
5: concept, a hundred percent. And you can delegate. A lot of people don't realize you can delegate that. I could, I on, could take, on a straight commission basis.
7: You know, we're here in at the studio. We're in Redlands right now. My office yeah. is back in Riverside. Yeah. We're heading back there after this. On the way to Riverside, I could we could drive a few neighborhoods, and I guarantee we'll find at least two dozen homes that yeah. would be of interest to us tomorrow. And we yeah. could go knock on those doors, or we could send them a postcard. Or look up the people that live in those homes and see if you can get them on the phone somehow. Yeah. And those tend to be homes that, uh, that are not available to millions of eyes. Exactly. Because who's driving yeah. the neighborhoods in between, yeah. you know. A
5: few people do it, but it's pretty, uh, pretty scarce. It really is. And, yeah, you know, so.
7: and, you know and there's an online and way to do it. It's kind of fun to
5: do, by the way, folks. Yeah. It really is. You get to you meet
7: know. some nice people. And, you know, if you're, a, if you're a talker, if you like meeting new people, you can meet a lot of interesting yeah. people. And, uh, but there's an online way to do it, too. Fortunately, Google... Uh, started their Google Maps thing years ago, and you can actually drive neighborhoods virtually. you know, of course, those some of those images are from a while back, so you got to pay attention to the date that those images yeah, were taken yeah. down on the corner. But um, you can drive these properties, these streets virtually, so you don't even have to get in your car and drive them. You can drive for dollars through Google Maps, you know, and look for the homes with blight. You're looking for the Christmas lights that are up and the images were taken in July. You know, you're looking for the homes with the wooden roofs that look like they're falling apart, yeah. the the wooden garage doors that open up, you know, uh, in a single motion, not the roll-up garage doors. You're looking for just signs of age and neglect and, you know, uh, blight. You know, that's what you're really looking for because these homes are probably in a little, little pretty rough condition. They're If they wanted to sell, they're going to have a hard time selling it on the open market. So... You know the best thing to do is find the ugly homes and just talk to the people and find out what their motivation is. Yeah. You know, do they are they interested in selling? Do they understand their options? And give them some options. We talked yeah. about it last night at the club. Yes. Four different exactly. options you can make to a homeowner. That
5: reminds me, folks, join uh, the Riverside Inland Empire Real Estate Investment Club. It's uh, a, a massive source of. Uh, expertise and people that will share their expertise with you. If you're really interest, serious about investing in real estate, you should be in there.
7: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I appreciate you plugging it for us. You know, yeah. <laughs> I was going to come in later and make a mention of the Illinois Empire Real Estate Investment Club, but yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. I you know I might I might be the creator of the uh, club along with my business partner Stephen, but yeah. uh, you know, it, it's kind of hard to you know you don't want to toot your own horn, so. It's nice that you came on and, and and made a recommendation. You know,
5: yeah, I've been uh, I've been a member of the club for I guess about five months now, and I got to tell you, uh, Todd here and Steven are both hotbeds of real world, real life uh, experience, and you know, mistakes and successes <laughs> and uh, the whole bit. So the yeah, love yeah.
7: talking about the mistakes. You know, it's yeah. funny. I had a, a guest on here. He's uh he's yeah. he's on the station as well on KCAA. He's got mm-hmm. another show with his uh, his wife. Uh, um, I don't know if he wants me to say his name or not, but they—he uh, was there at the meeting last night, and he and I were talking about a bad deal that he had done back in the back in the day, mm. and it was one that we had helped him out with along the way, where we Uh-oh. got him out of uh, that deal, uh, finally. And he ended up taking a huge loss on that deal. But, mm. you know, we kind of helped bail him worse. out. It could have been a lot worse, you know. Yeah. And so yeah. we were just kind of talking about how we're glad that's behind all of us. And it wasn't; a, he didn't lose money as a result of us doing it. We didn't lose money. It was just a deal he had. It was a rental that he had years ago. And it just went south multiple times on him. And he ended up losing a ton of money over the entire duration of owning this property. You know, and it was just the, the tenant from hell kind of situation, yeah. you know. And yeah. so... Uh, we helped him get out of that thing and finally move on with his life. So <laughs> it was, uh, he was there last night, so we we're kind of, you know, joking about it a little bit, you know, because it's it's been enough time. I think at this yeah. point we can laugh about it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you know, it's, the, the club has been a great great source for you know many people, all the five thousand plus members that are a part of it, and you know, for Steven and myself, we've gotten a tremendous amount of uh, benefit out of it. And of course, last night was our five year anniversary of the club, so that was kind of a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Well, they had a
5: really good, good educational. They, uh, they have some good educational presentations there that uh, do. I learned something new last night you that uh, blew my mind. What's that? It was uh, cost segregation okay, type yeah. of depreciation? Yep. Very clever. When you when you separate out the different categories like carpet from landscaping from yep. furniture from paint or whatever, yep, like that. You do that, you can save tens of thousands of dollars in taxes. Yep, right up by front. The way you structure your depreciation, it doesn't have to be this big blanket. Thing that I always pictured it would be. so Exactly.
7: And you can take... Handy knowledge. The, yeah, it is. And that's, you know, and, and like I said last night, that, that gentleman had come into my office yeah. just randomly, you know, normally we the walk-ins are people looking oh, for yeah, donations right. or yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that. And he comes in with this real powerful thing. And, and I've known about cost segregation. Yeah. I've never taken advantage of it myself, yeah. uh, but I've heard about it, you know, but the thing is... You know, when you're doing your taxes, yeah, you, know, you kind of rely on your CPA to do it for you. And, yeah. you know, I, yeah, I don't think he knows about cost segregation. I've never heard it come out of his mouth. So, Do you remember that question I asked him? Yes.
5: I asked the man, he was up there on the stage talking about cost segregation, and I was curious— well, I asked him, do most you know real estate accountants understand about cost segregation? And he was very tactful. He says, well, I've been spending a lot of time educating them about this in some very roundabout way. Yeah. And I said, so the answer is no, they don't know it. He says, well, you know, the tactful answer is, yeah,
7: yeah he's educating
5: much. them. So it's good to know. I mean, you got to you got to look for somebody that knows about cost segregation
7: because you, I mean, you're leaving a lot of money on the table if you don't exploit it. Absolutely, you know. And I we actually the first time I'd heard about it was a. Uh, he he runs. Uh, he used to run the uh, an Orange County investment club out there, mm-hmm. um, and so he was selling a mobile home park that he had owned, and he ended up using cost segregation across the whole park. Wow! So he saved, and you know, for him it was some astronomical amount of money he had saved in taxes yeah. as a result yeah. of doing the cost segregation study. Yeah. You know, and for the cost of doing the whole thing, it wasn't, you know, I, I want to say it was a few thousand bucks or something, and yeah. you know, he saved hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes by doing it. So you know when people out there are angry at the uh, the rich for all the red tape and all their little you know special programs this is one of those programs that the uh, the ultra rich are using to save on their taxes so when you're angry at them for not paying their fair share it's not that they're being they're not doing anything illegal per se they're doing this type of stuff yeah,
5: i like to point out that uh, although among the very rich in america there are a lot of uh, scumbags yep. and evil people but there's a whole lot of beautiful people in there too they're, of not, course. All, they're not
7: all all horrible yeah, it's usually the people you've never heard of, you yeah, know, that are yeah. that
5: are the good people. <laughs> yeah, but the tax structure of America is geared toward rewarding people who create jobs. Yep. So if you have a job right now and you like your job or at least like your paycheck, mm-hmm. uh, thank the tax structure because there's that's a large part of why. People start businesses because of the tax advantages. Yep, exactly. And it's necessary to have tax advantages in order for the economy to run and for companies to start and for jobs to be created.
7: Yeah, and that's you know whenever you, you know, hear about uh, every every politician now runs on the job ticket. I think you know I think yeah. every single politician says we need to get more jobs in this country. That's always yeah. the thing. They and should. often it's
5: empty rhetoric,
7: of course, because you know, yeah, what's the real plan? You know, how right. like I want to I want to hear the real plan on how this is going to happen. And yeah. you know, the real good ones. Remember Ross Perot. You yeah, know?
5: he was a, a piece of work. Yeah, he, he
7: was, man. But he, uh, you know, he'd get on TV and he'd do those little uh, telemarketer yes. style uh, you know, presentations. Presentations, you know, he yeah. had the the charts and all the graphs. Yeah. I loved Ross Perot, man. Yeah. He was, yeah, he, uh, you know, but he he had a solid plan. And you know, he was yeah, the, he did. He was the first independent, you know, candidate to yeah. ever get that much of uh, of a of a of a election. I hope share. Bill Clinton
5: sent him Christmas cards for a no long kidding. time because he should have.
7: <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You yeah, know. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, he had a real plan in place, and it's, yeah. uh, you know, I, I would love to see another politician with some sort of plan like that where they can say, this is how we plan to do it. Yeah,
5: you know, Warren Buffett uh, was, there's a, a thing going around, and shame on me for not passing it around to more people. I'm going to go back and find it and send it on. But he had a, a very simple little, um, I don't know, call it a business model or a, a thing of how we voters – can completely get rid of corruption and all this if you just do this, you know, put uh, an association between the income of the politicians to the state of the economy. Now that's a oversimplification. He he was very specific. Okay, you know, forgive me for being so vague and general. <laughs> sure. Yeah, but once again, it's uh, uh, set uh, set up or insist on laws being passed that for, for term limits and for uh, motivating and incentivizing politicians to stop screwing us. Yeah. And banks and Federal Reserve, et cetera, et cetera. Of course,
7: yeah, yeah. that's yeah, that's a complicated structure, you know, because, yeah. yeah. and I I saw another thing one time where because there was a whole you know th- everybody was saying oh you know why is the government shut down uh, yada yada and they and they yeah. they were getting angry and they said you know the politicians should you know uh, all the people that are that hold an office that's elected they should all have to you know get no money, get no pay, you know, while they until they get this all sorted out. Yeah, that's kind of stuff. Uh, if we all, you know, we the voters, we ultimately do
5: have the power. You know, a lot of people are uh, right now, you're probably thinking, oh, this guy's delusional, and perhaps right. I am. Well, it's funny because... But but, uh, but really, it's been proven historically that uh, a lot of people
7: get pissed off that things do change because well, they like our votes. And I, I saw, a, a, you know, a contradictory post to that person's post that said something. If you took every single uh, federal employee... And reduce their paycheck by one dollar for the whole year, that it would equal the same amount that uh, for all the politicians that hold an office uh, for what they get paid. So they said it's easier to take a dollar away from every federal employee than it is to take the entire paycheck away from all the elected yeah. officials. So yeah, you know, I mean, it's there's no right answer, right? I mean, who knows? It, it sounds so easy in all in all respects, yeah. but. Yeah, it's it's just the volume of people. You know, there's a lot of federal employees. Todd, do you have any uh, comment on
5: the uh, th- this new paroxysm of quantitative easing? I understand that they are just going nuts with quantitative easing. And the and the thing is, oh well, if everything is so wonderful, how come they're printing so much money? <laughs> any
7: comment on that? You know, and I'm clueless on that stuff. And of course, you know, dropping interest rates, right? Because if we're going to drop yeah. interest rates, that would typically mean that the economy's getting a little, uh, a little soft, yeah. You know, so you're dropping yeah. interest rates to get lending back out yeah, there. Yeah. So
5: why is the why are interest rates? Why is Trump talking about dropping the rates down there? And I wish I, I had hope that. there's a method. The guy's pretty smart. in my opinion. been a method in his madness. Hopefully, I, I wish I
7: had that level of understanding of, of yeah. how of how the Federal Reserve makes their decisions. Because every time I think something's going to happen, it seems like the opposite does or nothing happens. So yeah, you know, I I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. it's you know. Like, we were on an upward trajectory for a little bit there with our interest you know the fed funds rate and it was yeah. you know, and now we've kind of gone back the other direction and you know yeah. trump said the other day something about uh you know why do we why why do we not have negative interest rate in this you know negative interest rates in this country and you know because they have it in like places like japan where there's negative interest rates they the bank the fed will actually pay the banks to borrow money from them you know to really stimulate the economy wow. yeah. you know and you you hear about mortgage interest rates for for you know, regular homeowners. You know, in the in the sub one percent's. You know, I mean, yeah. but all that's going to do, and you know, Trump's got a a, a benefit to this because he owns a lot of commercial real estate. Yeah. Where yeah. if if interest rates go down considerably, if the borrowing mm-hmm. rate goes down, that that it just makes it allowable for prices to continue going up. You know, so if you think prices are unaffordable now, you know, if you take You know, and I could bring out my financial calculator to support these claims here. So if we took a typical hundred thousand dollar mortgage, we're gonna keep it real simple. Right now, and your 30-year typical kind of thing, we're and we'll just call it a four and a half percent interest rate, your payments gonna be five hundred and six dollars and sixty-nine cents on a hundred thousand dollar loan. Now, if all of a sudden we have you know the interest rates drop considerably and that interest rate goes to one percent your $506 payment goes to $321. So you're saving, you know, nearly $200 a month on on every $100,000 that you borrow, which just increases your buying power cuz you know what was $100,000 paying 506 per month um, when you drop the interest rate down to 1%, that actually you, you can keep the same payment but now that same loan would be 157,532. So you'd actually be borrowing You know, fifty well, fifty seven percent more because of an interest rate drop to one percent from four and a half.
5: Well, maybe that would help solve some of the uh, housing shortage situation. How so? You think? Well,
7: if it's cheaper to buy houses for people, more people could buy houses. The housing shortage problem doesn't have anything to do with uh, with with uh, with affordability. It has more to do with you know the ability to build. You know, right now, because yeah, yeah, yeah. like developers are having a real hard time developing yeah. and building, you know, building developments because there's a lot of pressure from like CEQA, for example, as a state, you know, or a federal program where if uh, if anybody has anything to say, if they want to sue the you know, the developer, they can. So these development projects are taking, you know, five years to even break ground where they've, you know, they've laid out their whole site plan and then, you know, then they get sued <laughs> from some environmental group or some other group that, Just doesn't want to see the development take place. And you have to kind of grease the palms of a bunch of people to get it to a development stage. So the problem we're having in California is the ability to build fast enough to meet the demand. And, you know, that's why a lot of the state bureaucracy uh, makes that hard it does and that's yeah. why we've switched to tiny homes because yeah. if we can manufacture tiny homes we can kind of get around something like sequel where we can produce these things in a manufactured facility and put these things out there and we just found out today that the city of los angeles just approved regulation which is going to allow tiny homes to be used for auxiliary dwelling units behind for residence. those that don't know that
5: you are you, talking about uh, todd and steve i think it's yep. uh, your idea or you picked up on it yep they're building taking orders for uh, Two hundred and fifty square foot homes. Yeah, they're about yeah. Just under goes in your goes in the, Say you're a, a, an older couple and your house is too big, so you put this tiny home in the backyard and you, and it, it has to to be a mobile home registered with the Department of Motor Vehicles. Yep. So you just although you're really putting it in on a. Quasi permanent basis or something or yeah, it, it can physically be physically
7: permanent. Yeah, it's semi permanent. You know, it's basically yeah. the idea.
5: Yeah. but you're avoiding what real estate taxes?
7: Yeah, you, by you're, not by not making it part of the payment.
5: Real and your payment is what four hundred dollars a month or something?
7: Yeah, it, you know, it's obviously dependent on on yeah, qualification. So small but,
5: homes, but it's perfect for a, uh, an older couple or yep. somebody that just needs to save a lot
7: of money. Older couple or or a, or a young you know yeah. r- young so it's professional. Such a freaking
5: brilliant idea to you know to help ease the. Uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, if uh, anybody I, I wants want to award you with the phila- uh, uh, phila- philanthropist uh, uh, winner the, of the year. Or something, <laughs> exactly. <you know? laughs> yeah,
7: Hey, I'll take it. Why not? Yeah, no, uh, yeah if anybody wants more information on what yeah. we're doing with tiny homes, go to backporchhomes.com. These guys
5: have some business plans where they could be making gazillions of dollars a year, yet they're taking the time out to really help a lot of people that need to get this thing so I acknowledge you for that
7: yeah well you know we're, we're actually building that business backporchhomes.com. go yeah. check it out because that's yeah. where uh, anybody can get more details we have yeah. our grand opening coming up on October 12th so uh, yeah. you know we'll be uh, launching to the public here pretty soon it's yeah. uh, it's coming to uh it's coming to the point where we're starting to yeah. get yeah that's uh, a up.
5: very exciting proposition I think it's going to have a, a real uh, impact in helping people's lives and I hope you make a lot of money doing it
7: yeah well that's you know if yeah. you if you solve enough pro- people's problems yeah, exactly. you' end up making a lot of money exactly. for doing it you know Exactly. And, that's Before I goal.
5: forget, I just got a, a shout-out for uh, Please read The Creature from Jekyll Island. It's about the Federal Reserve. It is a riveting—it's a big book. You can listen to it also. Uh, but read The Creature from Jekyll Island. It did will— it's life changing and mind blowing. It
7: is and a lot of people and don't riveting. Under, a lot of people don't understand how a fractional reserve banking system works, you right, know. And right. uh, when I talk about the federal funds rate, you know, okay, so yeah. this is where the education comes in. If you know, if if the federal funds rate is currently at I think two and a quarter percent is the target rate, uh, that means if you're a Bank of America and you want to borrow money from the Fed, you have to pay the Fed a two and a quarter percent interest rate to borrow that money. You have to have a certain amount of money in reserves which is your fractional reserve and in the United States it's nine times. So if if I have hundred thousand dollars on reserve as Bank of America, I can borrow up to nine hundred thousand dollars from the Federal Reserve at two and a quarter percent. And then I can go out and lend it out. You follow on that folks? It's quite a racket. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a racket, but it's also it yeah. stimulates the economy. You yeah. know, you, yeah. you you know, the the way the money system worked and fiat currency and all this good stuff, it you know, has its basis back in yeah. you know, the original industrial age. It's not industrial. Uh, back in the you know the the metallurgy ages you know the yeah. bronze age and all yeah. that stuff like banking goes way back and it's a it's a fascinating history. That really is. Yeah. at one time there was a guy who had a you know he had a really secure location to keep people's gold, you know, and uh, that that person eventually started ha- taking people's gold and hanging onto it for him, putting it in his safe, and you know, eventually he starts you know r- realizing that nobody's ever coming to get their gold. Yeah,
5: yeah, that's how it all started, huh?
7: Yeah, pretty much, yeah. you know, and it's yeah. uh, it's an interesting. <laughs> history the history of banking and how it all came about and yeah. you know he found out he could give people a note like, like pieces of paper that says i've got you know 10 pieces of gold sitting with john you know and people eventually in, instead of coming to john to get the gold out they would just trade the pieces of paper that says 10 pieces of gold from john yeah. you know and so that became a bank note if you if you pull out a dollar bill out of your, your wallet right now and look at mm-hmm. it it says on there this note is legal tender yeah. You know, and a note yeah. it, for most of it also people, says
5: Federal Reserve Note on the top of the bills. I of always course. ask people, Do you accept Federal Reserve notes? Yeah <laughs> that you just cash and they say, sorry, <laughs> sir, we don't
7: <laughs> Yeah, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> we're cash only here. Yeah. No. Uh well now people aren't even taking cash, they're taking credit cards, so it's you know, it's changing again. But yeah. um, you know, the uh the Federal Reserve note it just it this note is legal tender, you know, and what does that mean? That means this piece of, this loan instrument <laughs> is, you know, legally able to be used to barter for items. Give me your opinion on
5: uh, on this comment. Uh, I think that our monetary system is a stable house of cards. Yeah. And that's an oxymoron, I know. Sure. But do you kind of agree? It's stable because everybody just goes along with it. Yeah,
7: of course. And I believes mean, in
5: it, maybe. Pretty much. But but they know it's a house of cards, but they don't care. And I'm that's kind of like that myself. It's a type of resignation. I mean, that's,
7: that's the that's the definition of a fiat currency, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, where it's not backed by, not anything. Backed by anything. It's backed by the belief that it's valuable. Yeah. You know? And so yeah. uh, you know, I could give you twenty bucks and you might say, hey, yeah, twenty bucks that buys me a lot of cheese, you know, or something. But, you know, yeah. I, it, 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 at some point, you know, and people can refer to the textbooks from after post World War II Germany, where people are wheelbarrowing around, yeah. you know, yeah. Deutsch marks, and they can't even buy a loaf of bread with it. So, yeah. you know, yeah. people would end up knocking over the wheelbarrow full of money, leaving the money on the street and stealing the wheelbarrow because it yeah. was more valuable than the money that was inside <laughs> yes, it. Yes, you know? exactly. So, you know, I, yeah. that's that's yeah. The, that's the result of what can happen. You know, the run on the banks and all that. If everybody in the United States tomorrow decided to go to their bank and withdraw the money that is in their account, they'll be they'll be surprised to find out that they can't get all the cash out that is claimed on their on their bank statements. Yeah. You know, because of the fractional reserve system. So it's um you know, it's an interesting way it all kind of works. Yeah. And as long as everybody just agrees that this is the way it's done and everybody's okay with it, then we shouldn't ever have a problem. But if at some point the public decides, no, I want my, I want some kind of tangible item that has value, you know, and this is, you know, people talk about the gold standard and coming off of that. And, you know, people, <laughs> people fault all kinds of presidents in the past yeah, for, yeah. you know, for either getting us on or taking us off the gold standard. And uh, yeah. it's, it's a huge well, debate you know, it's, that we don't it, have enough time for. It's is a what? fascinating, <laughs> uh, yeah, fascinating study. It really is. I've yeah. you know I've gone down that rabbit hole a bit, and you can definitely yeah. get on YouTube now and and educate yourself to any to yeah. de- any degree of uh, competency that you want. Yeah,
5: YouTube's amazing. There's a lot of crap on there, and but a lot of incredibly valuable information on there too.
7: Sure. You know, I don't yeah. mind watching an occasional fail video though. You know, watching people falling on their skateboards and stuff. That's always fun.
5: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like infants smiling.
7: Infants smiling. That, is a good that one. changes
5: my state, like Tony Robbins says. You
7: yeah. Change your
5: state. That's good, yeah. Smiling infants, man, are the best. You know, and I think there was a, I seek out kids in the supermarket, you know, if I see a baby I come up and make faces at them like an idiot. Just give them a the smile, yeah. <laughs> and they smile
7: and I feel good, you know. Yeah, I'd be like, excuse me, sir, that's not my son, that's not a child. That's a, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so... You know, you've obviously studied kind of these things. You talk about Tony Robbins and things. Have you ever been to one of his seminars before? No, I never have. I've well, read a couple of his
5: books and uh, seen videos of him like that. He's an amazing guy. Yeah, neuro linguistics programs. Oh, yeah, NLP. Yeah, yeah,
7: yeah. And you, you know, you, well, if you, if you're into politics, if you're into the you know, the science of politics, you yeah. can you can definitely see the neurolingu you know the neuro linguistic program the NLP going on. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. You know all the time, and yeah. I think that's what a lot of people lack is the education of- to know what to look for. Yeah. Exactly. You know, because when you exactly. once you once you kind of been in the know, and you've been in sales for a while, so yeah. I'm sure you've dealt with salespeople, and you can see the tactics at play yeah. when they're doing it. You know, yeah. and you're saying, okay, you're going with herd theory on this one, okay. Yeah. You know, you just had to yeah. like, sit back and watch it happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, do you have any do you have any real recommendations aside from the two you've already made about the uh, the creature from Jekyll Island and you talked about the other book prior to this, which. There's an interesting
5: book called, uh, it's a business book called, it's uh, it's not the big who eat the little, it's the fast
7: who eat the slow. This is the title of the book. Title of the it's book. It's not the big who eat the little, it's the, the fast, fast to eat the slow. The thing okay. that's,
5: that in my memory read it ages ago is that uh, mission statements are generally PAP, whereas if you really want to motivate your workforce, create a cause. Okay, create yeah. Create a purpose. Yep, I've and, heard this and, one too. Yeah, you know, like that. And let's see. Uh, yeah. Yeah. First, uh, break all the rules. Uh, there the, a couple of them that are really good. Uh, of the E Myth, if you haven't already read the E Myth, that's basically about how to delegate and so forth, and right. build, work on your business instead of just in your business. And then there's the E Myth, uh, the E Real Estate Investor.
7: Okay, I didn't know there was a yeah, real estate an, investor. Yeah, version. they have
5: emyth Myth account, e-myth this, E Okay. E-Myth Janitor, I mean, you kind, know. Kind of like a, a dummies book, you know, like a. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a good book. Uh, Seth Godin, I think, was the guy. They'd have a chapter from uh, uh, Seth Godin, and then on the same subject, another chapter by a couple of highly successful real estate investors that are, na- you know, multi-bazillionaires. Sure. Uh, uh, talking about their struggles in real life, stuff like that. So of that's course. A, that's a good one. Uh, so Tim Ferriss is worthy of, you know, looking at his various videos are, are really good. And uh, there's a guy on on YouTube called Phil Pustajowski. Pustajowski. Okay. He has some good videos, real world stuff. Um, if you like, uh, if you're interested into commercial multifamily properties, uh, Peter Harris is uh, a real, really talented communicator, and he can break it down. Uh, the people think that the the commercial properties are horribly. It's not that complex. Yeah. It's relatively simple. And he, and he even explains the, the ratios and stuff in a manner somebody with the room temperature IQ, like, like myself in mathematics, <laughs> can understand. Yeah.
7: Well, hey, uh, so. while we have just a few seconds left, I just want to make a note to anybody out there, if you're interested in becoming a real estate investor or if you're already an investor or somebody else in the real estate world. Come check out the Illinois Empire Real Estate Investment Club. We get together a few times a month. You can go on meetup.com and look up the Illinois Empire Real Estate Investment Club uh, to come check out all of our events. Come meet Ted. Come meet myself. And, uh, of course, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I want to thank Ted for coming on the show today. It's fun. And uh, thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you all again next week on the Flip Flop Investor Show. Have a good week, everyone. Take care.
0: C-A-A.